Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Radius Moment, I'm going to tell you how you can actively help somebody rip you off and how you can simply avoid it. How about that riddle? And later, there's something that your bank is offering in 2019, and it's something that eliminates some hassle, but can create some too. I'm going to give you the special warning about something that's going to pop up as a bolt out of the blue from your bank or potentially even your credit union. So two weeks ago, new federal rules went into place that required hospitals to post their prices. Hospitals could have, in good faith, done a really good job making information available to you so you could comparison shop. They could have, but they didn't. I was tentatively happy that this was coming into place because one of the biggest issues with medical care is nobody knows what something costs from one place to another. And so if we're asked with these high deductible health plans to make good decisions about how we spend our money on health care, the idea from the Trump administration was, why don't we require hospitals to tell us what it's going to cost? So... How did hospitals comply? With useless gibberish. I've now looked at the price lists posted by three different big hospital operators, and they show utter and complete contempt for the public. What the hospitals have done is they've left things in jargon and code and made it to where it is impossible for you to actually know what you would actually be paying for something at one care provider versus another versus another. See, hospitals and medical providers, the medical industry, doesn't want you to be able to comparison shop. It being like you going to a restaurant, eating a meal, and only after you've eaten are you then given a bill for that meal. That's the way medicine operates. And it's a cynical thing that the medical industry does this because they don't want you to be able to bring efficiency to the marketplace. They don't want you to be able to say, well, this test is this much over here and this much less over there. What the Trump administration is going to have to do is they're going to have to be very clear and bring the hammer down on the hospitals, and require that they not only publish in plain English, but that they also publish the costs for each form of health insurance that someone has. So that you'll know with what, if you do have health insurance or you have medical coverage, it's this much at this place, this much at this one, this much at another one. So the hospitals wanted to play cute with this, wanted to play dirty. Well, let me tell you something the hospitals don't want you to know. 
one of my kids had to have an MRI recently. And we have insurance. But the cost of the MRI, and we've got the part we have to pay, at the hospital where the doctor wanted my daughter to go was thousands and thousands of dollars for the MRI. Instead, I called around and found out what it would be at a freestanding MRI facility, an independent one. And it was hundreds of dollars, and our out-of-pocket was a hundred and something dollars versus what would have been a copay of over $1,200 if we'd done it at the hospital-based MRI facility. Know that the way medicine's playing today, that the most expensive place for anything is in a hospital-owned facility or a hospital-owned practice. And you, if you're wanting to protect your wallet, either as a cash payer or as someone even with insurance, you need to shop around. Because freestanders often will be a tiny fraction of the cost of what it is at the hospital system. The hospital systems in most metro areas have been busy buying up independent medical practices and facilities. And then as they roll them in, they raise the prices by hundreds of percent in many cases. So you and I are the ones that have to shop. But I know that what the Department of Health and Human Services was trying to do here was to get us the information we need to be informed consumers. But obviously the medical establishment doesn't want to comply so the hammer's going to have to come down a lot harder. It's going to have to be a lot clearer that you and I have the ability to comparison shop. Plain and simple. We should be able to go right on our laptop or our phone, put in what kind of insurance plan we're on, and see the cost of something from facility to facility. Why can everybody else do that in America except the medical industry? Brandy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Brandy. Hello. Brandy, you have an interesting question for me, don't you? <laughs> I do. Um, my husband and I are wanting to sell our house and live in a fifth wheel for t- or full time. And so we're trying to get financing for it. And we were shopping around for different banks, like banks that we currently bank with and like other banks just around town. And um, we found a smaller bank. They still have about, I think, like 20 or 30 locations, but they're all really local to us. And they offered us like a way lower interest rate. And so I'm just like, why? <laughs> you know, trying to make sure that there's nothing hiding and we're not being stupid about it to finance this fiscal that we found. No, there's probably nothing uh, that makes it dirty or they're trying to cheat you or anything like that. It, you're talking about a specialty kind of loan. And Mm -hmm. a lot of banks don't want to be bothered. Or they put you automatically with something like a fifth wheel into a very high-risk borrowing category. Mm -hmm. And the rate can be many times what it would be at a bank that's happy to do that kind of lending. Okay. And I have a couple of questions for you. I, I have a big bias with any kind of RV or fifth wheel that 
you consider buying one used instead of new because they yeah. so rapidly depreciate? Is that yeah, where you're one, looking? Yeah, it's a 2011. <laughs> okay. We don't buy new anything. So. <laughs> well, especially you're brilliant with the fifth wheel because yeah. the RVs and fifth wheels decline so dramatically because a lot of people will buy one thinking that's the lifestyle choice they want. Mm-hmm. and discover pretty quickly, we didn't. <laughs> this didn't turn <laughs> out like we thought. And they're out, and because it's an optional purchase, nobody has to buy one, the yeah. used market depreciates so fast. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, how many square feet will you be living in? It's 40. It's a toy hauler, so it's got a, like an optional garage slash extra room kind of thing. And we've been shopping for a while, so this is like the first one that we're like, this is it. And like the guy that's selling it is, is selling it for less than it's worth. Like he's he's kind of ready to get rid of it kind of thing. And so um, it's worth like over double what he's asking for it. So And the condition of it you're sure is good? Yeah, yeah. Um, my husband's pretty pretty knowledgeable about that kind of stuff, and he's looked it over really well. And I mean, we we're aware that there are a few issues, um, but nothing major at all. So. All right. So you said forty. It's not forty square feet because you're not going to live in forty square feet. I mean, no. it's 40, 40 feet 40 long. Feet. Forty feet long. Yeah. And how wide is it? Is it eight feet wide? I think it's eight. Yeah, I think so. So uh, you think. You'll really find out how much you really love each other if you're going to live in 320 square feet. Yeah, well, we actually lived in a hotel without a kitchen in it, just a little bitty hotel room with the only door is the outside door to the hallway and the bathroom door. We lived in that for eight months together, so we're we're not new at that. (laughs) Well, I am so impressed because my wife would not be able to stand living with me (laughs) <laughs> and that oh, amount of no. square footage. So do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very impressed. I'm just my wife says I'm a very high maintenance man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and my husband have that in common. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I hope that you and your high maintenance husband that this works out really well for you. Good job. And the loan should be completely on the up and up. Brandon's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brandon. Hello, how are you? Great, thank you, Brandon, and uh, congratulations on you for just finishing school. Oh, thank you very much. What'd you get your degree in? I got my degree in communications and business administration. And have you been able to find a good landing place for that? Yes, I I got a job in October uh, near where I'm originally from in a, in a marketing department for a large company. So it's it's going really, really well so far. That's great. Well, how can I be of service to you? So my question is kind of a two-part question. Um, so in just beginning uh, my career, I, have, I currently have two different IRAs. I have a basic Roth through my work, through my employer, and then I have my own personal Roth. Um, and through someone that you often suggest on your show. Um, so my knowledge Which of one? those, uh, it's through Fidelity. Okay. Yep. And so my knowledge of those outside of what you say regularly is limited. Uh, and my question is kind of two part. And the first part is, is it silly for me to have two different IRAs 
And then also, am I at risk of losing that money? Because right now I'm putting around 18% of my monthly income into them, um, most of it being into my employer uh, retirement fund, and then a little bit extra in my own personal. Um, so I just didn't know if I was doing the right thing and having both. And It doesn't if matter I, if you're doing both. I mean, if you want to have both, that's fine. I would say the emphasis should go whichever one has lower costs. And I don't okay. know if your employers provided you any information on what they charge you in administrative fees and that kind of thing. But are you with a big employer, midsize, or small? Uh, it's, it's a fairly large employer, yeah. So likely they have a, a low-cost plan. If their plan's really low-cost, then you might not need to put any money in your own and just put okay. through the employer plan. And okay. I do want to tell you, you're in your early 20s, I would guess? Correct. I'm 23. So at 23, it's fantastic you're putting in 18% of your pay. You do stand the risk in the short term that stock market values are going to decline. But because of your age, you don't even need to worry about that because you have so little money at stake right now. And every month you put money in, if we do go through a tough stock market for a few years or whatever, every month the dollars you put in buy you more shares. Over time, markets, uh, you know, over any meaningful period of time, they go up quite nicely, even though in the short term they can cave. And you can't figure out what those ups and down moments are. So I would just stay well diversified, maybe go in the target retirement fund choice available to you. And just keep socking that money away. Okay, awesome. And then, do I have time for one more small question? Uh, very quick. Okay, thank you. Um, so, right now, I currently have a very small amount of student loans that I owe, and then a car payment. That's my only debt. Would it be smarter to me to for me to just double up on those payments, or just to continue investing in my retirement where I'm at? The student loan debt, I assume, is at a fairly low fixed rate. Yes. And the car loan is likely at a reasonable rate. Yes. So I would just keep paying those two as agreed and keep socking that money away for your future. It builds great habits. I have an important warning for you in today's Clark Rageous Moment. Please hear this one and remember it. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. Car theft last year, that's a crime that had been going down and down, spiked last year, hit an eight-year high, still climbing. Producer Joel of our team had his vehicle stolen. Uh, I recently, in a rental car, did the same thing that led to his vehicle being stolen and is a routine problem. More and more of us have vehicles now, either our own or, like me with a rental, that has a key fob. You don't have to put it in ignition to start the car. You just have to have it present in the vehicle. What's happening is we're laying that via, that car key down or SUV key, whatever you want to call it, in the center console or something like that, and then we're getting out of the vehicle and forgetting we didn't take the vehicle with us. Criminals are going through shopping center parking lots, convenience store parking lots, you name it, and trying door handles, finding vehicles, and get in and just drive away in no having to break in, nothing at all. You've left the vehicle on a red carpet for them to steal. So 
You need to know that your key fob needs to stay in your pocket or in a woman in your purse. Just do not lay it down in the vehicle because all it's going to take is one time that you're in the wrong place where you left the key in the center console, forgot it was there, leave to go shopping or whatever, and come back and say, I could have sworn I parked right over here. Well, you did, but somebody decided you parked very conveniently for them with the key in it, the key fob, and your car is gone with the wind, maybe never to be recovered. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. And our main website, Clark.com. So there's a market share war going on among the biggest banks in the country. And they're specifically interested in what's known as the front of the wallet, back of the wallet issue. You know what that is? Most Americans have multiple credit cards. But you'll have a credit card that is your chief preference that you'll pull out routinely and use. And then others that you may use very sparingly or even forget you have, don't even use. So banks are scrambling to try to increase your use of cards you already have because right now the banks are kind of in a zero-sum game where they can't seem to grow the number of credit cards that people have. So they're trying to get more quality, what they consider to be quality, more use of the cards they already have in the market. So the latest trick of the trade for cards you already have is out of nowhere you may get an envelope at your home with a new card from your issuer. I just had this happen in the last couple of days. And the reason I got a new card, even though the card I had, the expiration date was the same, everything was the same, the card expires in 2022, three years from now. But they issued me a new card anyway. For no reason, except there was a reason. The new card on the front of it has four uh, consecutive circles. Each, I don't know how you'd call that. It kind of looks like a stadium seating chart. <laughs> Everything to me comes back to football. Anyway, and so the, the half circles or quarter circles, each one larger than another. This card has one on the front. Here's another card I just uh, got mysteriously on the back has the four things on it. And what this is about is trying to get you to pay contactless. And what contactless means is retailers, restaurateurs, uh, customers, everybody's really frustrated by the extremely slow processing that's occurring with chip cards. You know how the cards now have the chip in them? Well, the banking industry in the United States uses such obsolete platforms to process credit cards because our credit card, it's not like our banking industry. This one time our banking industry just, it wasn't because they were being stupid or anything. It's because they were early. 
And the credit card infrastructure in the United States happened way before it did elsewhere in the world. And so the data networks and the behind-the-scenes processing of credit cards in the United States is far more difficult, far slower than it is in most of the rest of the world. And so it's gumming up the works. So the banks are trying to get you instead to use one of the contactless cards that at so many places you go, you can just tap them and and a fraction of the time of using a chip card and waiting for approval for it, your transaction's approved and you're done. It shortens lines for retailers and fast food places and it eliminates hassle for you. Except... There's always somebody spoiling the party. Criminals have figured out how to steal the signal for your card out of thin air because of the contactless technology. The banks say it doesn't matter that what they're able to steal is useless to the crook, but if you want to protect yourself the best, you can now buy routinely wallets for men and women that have what's known as RFID protection. Or you can even, at, um, at dollar stores, you can buy little uh, reusable RFID protectors that you put around your cards. And that way, there's no signal that emanates that a criminal can grab out of thin air. But the reason for this is because what we're doing right now may have reduced the amount of on-site fraud on credit cards. Now the frauds move very heavily to online where we don't have the chips in place, but it has slowed everything down. And for the credit card companies, they're racing each other to get these contactless cards in people's hands so that maybe a card that's been back of wallet for someone will move front of wallet And then once you get in the habit of using that, you'll keep using that card because of the new ease of use. Carla's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carla. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Carla. I hope I can be of service to you. I hope so, too. I'm sure you can. I'm sure this is probably something simple for you. I'm ready. Okay. I'm just calling to find out or pick your brain about... uh, learning to invest in the medical marijuana field or the hemp oil, CBD oil. Um, I've had a pet who has taken the CBD oil and it has done wonders as far as health stuff with arthritis and even seizure reductivity and that. And so I'm trying to find a way to invest in that industry because it seems like it's getting more and more approved throughout the country with the medical marijuana and all this stuff. And well, the, the CBD is approved almost everywhere in the country at this point. And right. it uh, just so people know, because uh, a lot of people, there's a lot of misinformation about this or lack of understanding, you're not trying to get your pet high. You don't get high no. from this stuff. <laughs> not at all. I just think we need not to get that out there because there is so much misunderstanding. And then you have um, a lot of states where... Uh, marijuana that is about getting high is legal as well as the products that are medicinal 
and mm-hmm. people get really confused what it all means. So I will tell you that there's a huge rush on that to me is kind of like the 1849 California gold rush that everybody thinks there's gold in them there are hills and uh, there there's going to be a big business in uh, various forms of marijuana hemp and the rest but it's going to be impossible today impossible to figure out where the smartest places are to invest in these markets because we're in a we're in a time that is the gold rush kind of time and even right. though it's going to end up being a significantly sized market there was just a report that California is bringing in far less tax revenue than they thought they would and you're not going to believe one of the reasons uh, speculated as to why could you take a guess what is that it's that a lot of uh, people have decided it's better to stay underground than to come above and be in the legal market where you have to pay taxes and the rest. Yeah. So it's just too hard to invest in this marketplace right now because it would be really speculative because it's just not at all clear who the winners and losers are going to be. So unless you're been finding, yeah, unless you're somebody who likes to go to casinos and, likes the high risk kind of high roller kind of thing i would say let this market have some time to mature and settle down and then it'll be clearer who the players are going to be that are going to have uh real staying power right so it's just too early to to decide right now so is your recommendation to stand by the sideline and kind of watch it and and see how it pans out exactly because i don't have a gambler investor mentality so unless that's you, I would wait a while, let the marketplace settle down. Art's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Art. Hello, Clark. Art, you have an interesting question to pose to me, don't you? I think so. What's happening? Well, my wife is with this company, and she's depositing checks for them. And I can't understand why they don't have a credit card system involved so she doesn't have to do it. I mean, they're paying her big bucks, and I can't see the reason behind it. So is she is she a bookkeeper or accountant by training? or No, no. How did these people find their way to her? Internet. Ooh. And yeah, that's what else scares me. And, yeah, it should. So just out of the blue, somebody she finds on the internet is sending her checks to deposit. She, they pay her decent amount of money to deposit them. And is she depositing in her account and sending them off? A, no, she's depositing in their account. But she's the one depositing. Yes. Um, I would, I would bet that I would be as worried as you are that somebody involved in a criminal activity is using your wife as uh, what's sometimes referred to as a mule, Mm -hmm. where she's putting herself at risk of ending up in some serious legal trouble. That's what you've told her, isn't it? That's what I think, yeah. 
All right, and she says you're just worrying too much, right? Right. The company's been in business for some time. They've got a good track record. I don't care. Going back to them. I don't care. I don't either. What I would do if I were her is, in order to protect herself, I would go to the police in your area, and uh, maybe the two of you go talk to a police detective and say that you're really worried that uh, you don't have any specific reason to assume that the money coming to her to deposit is being used in some kind of criminal enterprise, but it just all seems weird and you want to see if they know anything about it. The reason she needs to be on record that way is that if later the police do show up at her door and say, hey, you've been involved in... um, you know, and washing money for this criminal gang or whatever, that she's already on record as having said, hey, I'm worried about this. Do you think this is okay? Plus the fact they're in India. Huh. Really? Yes. All right, that that would make me more worried. Is it any kind of technology company? Pardon? Is it any kind of technology company that supposedly she's depositing these checks for? Well, they uh, fix people's internet. Ooh. I would be worried that maybe they're not fixing people's internet, that they're putting people in a fix on their internet. And the reason is, is that there have been so many problems with people who end up with somebody uh, seizing control of their computer, pretending to be from Microsoft or whatever, and then you have to ransom your own computer back and things like that. I mean, it's possible that that could be a source of these funds. Who knows? But I would be uh, very, very careful here. And going to the police first before the police come to her is something I would think is a completely necessary step to protect her. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dave. Good. How are you? Great. Thank you, Dave. I was just wondering, I heard from you some time ago about this data breach with Yahoo. I was, I've been with them for about nine years. And um, I changed my Yahoo email address when I heard about this data breach, which turned out to be a big project with my 50-some uh, passwords, which are very kind of hard to you know, complicated. And um, then I hear about you today while I was waiting for you, the, the stash, dash lane might be the answer to that problem. But anyway, I never heard anything about getting my $100 or whatever it is that uh, that they approved for the breach. 
So we're watching that pretty closely. And Dave, we have no paperwork yet for people to do to claim under the Yahoo proposed settlement. But we're, our Clark.com team is tracking this. And I will mention on the air more than once, once you can file a claim and what the process is going to be once it is in place, but it's not in place yet. Now, let's okay. address Dashlane and LastPass. So you heard me talk about both of those, and what's wonderful about them is they are what are known as password managers. And what they'll do for you, Dave, is they will uh, – you'll have one master encrypted password that you'll have to remember that'll be a really goofy one. And then every other place you go – it will assign a very lengthy, complicated password. And the great news is even if a criminal, like in the Yahoo thing, compromises that one, all your others are still fine at your other places where you've done a password, which is the real beauty. Because like with the Yahoo thing, the problem for most of us is we can't remember all these passwords. So we use the same password at one site after another after another. So the criminals who got our Yahoo ones then can turn around and try it at so many other places. And who knows what they can get to and what havoc they can cause. That's why Dashlane and LastPass are both things that are worth considering. Both offer freemium business models with uh, free basic versions and then paid ones that are more comprehensive. So I hope that helps, and as soon as we know the Yahoo story, we will make sure you know too. Joel, I think we have time to sneak in and ask Clark here. Yeah, Clark, we should sure do. Maurice wrote in, he said, the other day you mentioned a company backed by AT&T that offered unlimited high-speed internet hotspots, and that cost around $300 a year or so. What was the name of that service? So the deal is it's only a joint venture with Airstream, as people are, more and more people are buying uh, campers to go on the road, and every brand wants to stand out. Airstream and AT&T reached this deal with unlimited data for a year for uh, 360 bucks, And that is a screaming deal to have the unlimited hotspot. And so that's who's doing it. But that kind of thing will become more common for many players over really not 2019, but over 2020. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.